If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Let us bow our heads together. We probably would have been just as stunned as the disciples were, Holy One. After he had been crucified, Luke tells us that Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. The disciples were in the middle of a business meeting, so when Jesus appeared, they were startled and terrified, the text tells us. He showed up when they least expected him. Boy, do we know how they feel. Jesus is always showing up when we aren't prepared, when we least expect him. At the grocery store, at the intersection, on the bench, at the playground, in the evening news, in the ballpark, in the pickup and drop-off line at school, at the office building, and then the one next to ours. Sometimes we are startled by it. Sometimes we are terrified by it unable to see past our assumptions and bias. It's true, even though it shouldn't be. It's not like Jesus didn't tell us exactly where and when he would appear in the faces and bodies of those who are hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and imprisoned, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family. You did it to me, he said. May we not be startled and terrified when we see Jesus. May we be expecting him. May we be prepared with compassion, kindness, and love. For this is how they will know who we follow. We pray in the name of our teacher and lead organizer, Jesus. Amen. The sermon this morning comes from the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider how you have fared. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat 
but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And you that earn wages, earn wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider how you have fared. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You have looked for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house lies in ruins while all of you hurry off to your own houses. Therefore, the heavens above you have above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the soil produces, on human beings and animals, and on all their labors. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. We're veering wildly from the lectionary on this third Sunday of Easter. The recommended texts are Psalm 4 and a post-Easter appearance by Jesus in which the disciples thought they were seeing a ghost. The book of Haggai is not a lectionary recommendation. In fact, there are no Hebrew Bible selections during the Easter season. They are replaced by another reading from the book of Acts, and the idea is that it's to keep us looking forward from the resurrection into today's time. But those Hebrew scriptures have quite a bit to say about people trying to rebuild their lives and determine where God is in the midst of it, which sounds pretty Eastery to me. So here we are. Haggai is a tiny little book named after a minor prophet. It's just two chapters, so you probably missed it coming and going when trying to find it in the Bible. Haggai's career is a, as a prophet lasted just a few months in the year 520 BCE. Almost two decades earlier, the Persian king Cyrus conquered Babylon and repatriated the Babylonian exiles, including the Hebrews. And now these Hebrews are trying to put their lives back together. The cheat sheet for the entire book is in the selection that we read, chapter 1, verse 8. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. The house in reference is the temple. The whole book centers on Haggai's prophecy that God wants the people to rebuild the temple, which was in ruins. You've put your own houses in order, but what about me, God asks. So Haggai tells them, rebuild God's house. The word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai saying, is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider how you have fared. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And you that earn wages, earn wages to put them into a bag with holes. What we're hearing is that the people have done a poor job of prioritizing. 
They've taken care of themselves as individuals, but left God out in the rain. And this is the root of the problem, Haggai says. So rebuild God's house. But this isn't about placating God with a mansion over the hilltop. This is about reminding the people that while they may have taken care of themselves, they have neglected taking care of one another, their communal living. Haggai moves back and forth between what individuals have and what the community lacks. Did you hear that? I mean, the people have become isolationists to each their own, everyone for themselves. But the temple, the temple, the center of community, the gathering place has been neglected. This is the foundation for Haggai's prophecy. Rebuild God's house because we're all in this together. Rebuild God's house is an expression of covenant, a dedicated place of community, a place set aside for restoring what was lost when they were in exile. A reminder that our first consideration is supposed to be God, and then everything will be ordered. And if they don't do this, well, you, you heard it. You have looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruins while all of you hurry off to your own houses. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the soil produces, on human beings and animals, and on all their labors. I mean, it, it sounds as if the text is telling the people that they can expect God to send a drought so severe that even morning dew does not fall. The earth produces nothing, people and animals produce nothing, no matter their efforts, nothing but death and despair. This kind of rhetoric sounds ickily like what we hear from some of today's most well-known televangelists, that natural disasters are punishment from God. In 1998, Pat Robertson of the Christian Broadcasting Network specifically suggested that God might send hurricanes and a hellfire of lightning bolts to Florida to destroy Disney World in retaliation for sponsoring a Gay Days Weekend. Franklin Graham, the son of evangelist Billy Graham, speculated after Hurricane Katrina that New Orleans was hit because it was known for orgies. Not Surprisingly, these televangelists never consider that they might be the targets of disasters supposedly sent by God, even as they pray for protection. Citing concern over potential damage to his own Christian broadcasting network and Regent University, both located in Virginia Beach, Robertson declared, quote, a shield of protection all over Tidewater and a shield of protection over those innocent people in the path of this hurricane. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. 
While other hurricanes did hit Florida, none of them hit Disney World, and in fact, the hardest hit area included Virginia Beach. Interestingly, there is some empirical evidence to address this kind of pop theology. A study by Aidan Bissell-Siders tested the hypotheses that higher gayness causes higher storm damages and that higher godliness causes lower storm damages. Using data from the American Community Survey and the National Climatic Data Center, he found no statistically significant correlation between gay marriage and per capita storm damage by US states. He did, however, find a positive correlation between storm damage and the percentage of persons employed in religious service. But of course, we don't actually need empirical evidence to refute and reject the kind of theology that claims God sends natural disasters as punishment. And we don't even really need to preach against this text for what we find in the book of Haggai and what we know from our own experience, of course, is that there are natural consequences when we live as isolationists to each their own, everyone for themselves, and that and neglecting to tend to and investing in the community and each other and our shared lives, including creation, will go badly. If we are completely inwardly focused, worried only about ourselves, about getting ahead with no consideration of what it will mean for anyone or anyone else, bad things will happen. Drought, famine, floods. This is not rocket science, nor is it snake oil theology. The text tells a story of the despair and ruin that can be expected when we do not live centered in God and rooted in community. The prophecy further emphasizes what should be our theological orientation by reminding us that the earth is not ours. It is God's. In chapter 2, we read, once again, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. This is a radical idea in a world that tells us we can use what we want when we want, and as much as we want. Had Haggai been prophesying today, the text might read, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the oil is mine, and the natural gas is mine, says the Lord of hosts. If the church were to live more deeply into the theological understanding that we do not own the earth, perhaps we could remove things like deforestation, and mountaintop removal mining, and global warming from our vocabulary. How might we live differently if we embodied the theological claim that we are in service to a world that belongs to someone 
else, capital S, capital E. We are either community-minded or we are not. We are either faithful stewards of the earth or we are not. There is deep truth in connecting how we treat one another and the earth to our collective fate. And this is why Haggai reminds the people to center God by tending to community needs. And it is our reminder too. In 2016, this congregation funded the purchase and installation of 40 solar panels on the church roof to contribute towards clean energy production. Here comes the sun, we sang. We've added several more panels since then, but there's still room on the roof for more. Several years ago, Mayflower member Carly Stark led the move to use compostable plates and utensils for church dinners. No more single-use utensils that take a thousand years to decompose. Last year, some of our youngest members, Charlotte and Oliver Anderson, then nine and seven years old, issued a vegan meal a day challenge to the congregation because studies show that it significantly reduces an individual's carbon footprint from food. Perhaps because we were just learning that online communication really was the way to stay connected and engaged during a pandemic, participation in that challenge was, well, it could have been better. I've talked to Charlotte and Oliver, and they're willing to try again I told them I'd talk to all of you about it and see if you are ready to step up to the plate. And now, in the coming weeks, we have the opportunity to make another environmental and community-minded shift. As we begin moving towards in-person worship and fellowship, we are also looking for ways to be as faithful as we can be as stewards of creation who are borrowing resources from God. The deacons have given the staff and I their blessing to transition us from paper bulletins to a digital bulletin, one that you can access on your phone or a tablet. Before I go any farther, please know that there is no reason for your brain to explode over this. The deacons had questions and discussion, more questions and discussion and more questions and discussion. Then the trustees had more questions and discussion and some more questions and discussion about how to do this without leaving anyone behind, whether they be five or 105 years old. While the environmental impact of this shift is significant, saving hundreds of pounds of paper and tons of ink, it will also help us better connect to each other. A digital bulletin creates a tether between those worshiping online and those worshiping in person. It will allow us to all look at the same order of worship, repeat the same words to the Lord's Prayer, and sing the same benediction response, no matter where we are. In so many ways, we are in the same position of the people in the book of Haggai. We are rebuilding after a long exile. How we do that is, 
says just as much about us as our doing it at all. It must be done together and with all of creation in mind. So let it be said of us that our first consideration is God, which means that we care for each other and all of creation always and in all ways. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are currently online only, premiering at 11 a.m. on Mayflower's Facebook page. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.